Welcome to Stepside with Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howie. Each week we talk about truck news, truck-related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. Joel, we're here. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's high summer. This is the time of year where I do nothing because it's hot and I'm not built for it. So actually, I just sit inside all day, but I'm making plans for very fun things. So I'm doing all right. My Lexus is in the shop today doing like a shit ton of service so I can go to Utah again without breaking. So, What kind of service are you getting done to the truck? Um, you know, I was supposed to do a transmission service and I was supposed to do a rear differential and like just all the fluids, like cooling system. Oh, so not fixing anything, just getting it. Just like, yeah, making sure everything's, yeah, everything's perfect for so I can go drive 2,000 miles without it doing, doing anything. Doing a little blood doping, a little adrenochrome but <laughs> for your for your truck yeah you want to jump right into news i would love to talk about news because i want to talk about the new colorado yeah it's pretty cool looking what do you know you're chevy insider i'm not anymore <laughs> you practically but... your last name you change it from chevrolet like i understand <laughs> pretty close uh yeah no uh i changed it from oldsmobile because it's not my father's <laughs> Uh, the, uh, I don't know anything, first of all. Uh, and second of all, I didn't even know it was coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, although it stands to reason only criticism I heard from another off-road buddy, uh, was that it's still on leafs in the back, which, you know, is maybe suboptimal, but generally the Colorado in the space out of everything that's been out there in the midsize category, they've tended to compete on price. And so, the idea that they're going to, you know, cut a couple corners here and there doesn't really freak me out. Uh, also, I don't have a major problem with leaf springs in a truck, if I'm if I'm honest. Like, you know, they're it's nicer to have independent uh, or, you know, coils, but like uh, leaves have worked for 100 years. It's not the end of the world. Uh, but overall, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, you know, there's a lot of information that's not out yet, but uh, the interior especially uh, – I thought was super nice. It's like really car like. I don't take think a look I at saw. it. Uh, so uh, I was only news I've heard is four cylinder engine only, which I was like totally rad. I'm all in favor of tiny, powerful engines in smaller and smaller trucks, but uh, no more diesel, which I'm bummed out. I almost bought like a Trail Boss diesel version like a few years ago i was really all stoked on it um no more long bed but i was like eh, it's already a crew cab i don't like long beds but so i i saw like colorado fans that have the old ones pissed off that there's only one engine choice and there's no diesel and there's no yeah long but bed. how many people bought those diesels right they said it was like less than 10 percent of sales were not you know straight up gas short beds so yeah, I just love, I mean, you know the Tacoma, the next Tacoma's got to be a four-cylinder if the Tundra's now down to a V6. Like, I love, I love it that, like, um, I mean, to meet all the, like, fuel requirements or just, like, for the good sense, like, it would be nice uh, if a dream truck could get 30 miles a gallon on the freeway, 20 while you're off-roading or something is fine, but, like, they do so badly at that. I, I don't care about displacement. I mean, I don't. I mean, horsepower and torque really do matter. But these, I mean, they're doing the right thing. Like smaller engines, they're actually better than the old bigger engines. Like they're lighter. They put out like a hundred more horsepower and torque than the old ones. Like I love this trend, and I hope 
I hope to God that 2024 Tacoma is like a tiny, super duper twin turbo, you know, thing that gets maybe over 20 miles a gallon and, and, you know, still has grunt for the off-road. Yeah. I mean, the future of ice is turbo fours and we're like well in the, the, the middle of it. GM has a long history of building a bunch of really great turbo fours. I don't remember the, the block codes, but, uh, you know, I had a, an ATS, a little Cadillac two door that had the turbo four in it. Uh, super great engine. So easy to make power with, uh, Toyota. I betcha Toyota has several turbo four engines in the current, uh, lineup, including they just reintroduced like, I guess, yeah, it is a reintroduction. They, they put the crown Toyota crown out, uh, or at least announced it, which is like, uh, I believe a turbo four and then has, it's uh, like a plug-in hybrid, but I could see something like that. I, I don't know my engines across the manufacturers well enough to tell you what is the fitment, but, uh, yeah, you know, in general, uh, the Ranger is going to be a turbo four, the Colorado is going to be a turbo four, the Tacoma will be a turbo four. If Stellantis ever makes a truck in the midsize category, uh, it'll be a V8 Hemi, of course. Uh, but yeah, I mean, turbo fours are fine. And I think, you know, we're well past a decade of the kind of beginning of testing out a lot of the direct injection turbo fours. Uh, they seem to be as bulletproof as anything else, you know, that's, that's been out there. You can make so much power. And I thought that was really interesting in the lineup that Chevy announced is, you know, the, the, the work truck, but that was funny too, the WT, the bottom, the bottom trim level, uh, I think makes like a little over 200 horsepower and like 275 torques, something like that. And then the ZR2, the top end trim is like not that much more horsepower, but another like hundred pound feet and same engine. And they did say like, oh, well, you know, we, we put, uh, you know, reinforced rods in and, and different sleeves on the cylinders. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure you did. But I also bet you as soon as the work truck like gets cracked and somebody can do an ECU flash on it, it'll make the same horsepower and torque <laughs> as, as the top end trim. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, we're in the age of turbos and it's actually pretty great. Uh, but, uh, I, uh, I don't know overall, like I, 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 I funnily enough, like because all of these trucks are taking so long to get out because of supply chain issues. And because I still haven't put a deposit down on anything, I was looking again last night and I have to say that even though I generally don't have the excitement minus the ZR2, I, I did like the last Colorado ZR2 a lot. The suspension, the Multimatic stuff is unreal good. But I was looking at those Colorados and I was like, I, it's back on the list. Like, it, it, <laughs> But, you know, like I'm still holding on plug-in hybrid and what I'm starting to worry about is that if I am going to try to buy a new truck, uh, the plug-in hybrids are uh, it's like a couple years away still on all the midsize stuff, and I'm I'm getting I'm getting bummed because I'm getting antsy for a truck. I imagine the plug-in hybrids would also be mild, like work trucks or luxury chromey uh, city trucks. You know, like they're not going to make like a ZR2 model or an off-road like with lockers. That's also a hybrid. That's my fear is that they're going to make that the city truck. You know, not the country well that doesn't that doesn't worry me though because the best two ways to get into a truck is to either buy the top end trim or the bottom trim and like if they give me the powertrain and you know on these newer trucks the ranger and the colorado both have i don't even think you can get a small screen in them or anything you know it's like a lot of the interior stuff that i would want in higher trims has moved its way down um and as long as i could get uh 
you know, the, the, the tech features I want, I don't mind rebuilding the whole suspension and even put in air lockers or something. Sometimes you'd miss lockers on those sport versions instead of the off-road versions. Yeah, no, it's looking, it's looking good. Although I, I will say last night, I was looking at the Ranger Raptor again and going, this absolutely isn't the, the, the smart choice for what I'm trying to build, but what if it would hold me over for a couple of years? Uh, so I resell it at MSRP a couple years later. Wait, my promise to, my promise to you and the Stepside Nation is that uh, I will put a deposit down on at least one truck, if not a couple, uh, this fall when they're announced, and then we'll see where it shakes out. <laughs> I am getting more interested in uh, truck tunes, engine tunes, because I just saw uh, someone just sent me a link to like a Maverick Owners Club where some guys tuned a like the Maverick that's not a hybrid, so the one I have, all-wheel drive with the towing package. Um, it goes from like 40 miles a gallon to like 25, 27. But he put a tune on it and like a less restrictive exhaust and like, I don't know, like an intake or something. And he was reporting like high 30s on miles per gallon. And he got a zero to 60 to like five seconds. So it's like, <laughs> how is that? How can you do, how can you do both? How can you get massive power and also better economy? But like I've been complaining about my daughter's uh, Tacoma because it's all gutless, and everyone I know when I complain, like longtime Tacoma owners, are like, "Oh, you don't have an OV tune? Oh, I've got like an ND tune on this one, and like call call my guy." And so I've got like leads on guys in Portland that do uh, retunes on it, and they all boast like better gas mileage, like way higher, way more torque, way more low end power. There's it's not muted the way it feels, um, and one friend even said. Well, this one tune goes too far. It's like actually twitchy. <laughs> I had to be like super gentle with the pedal. But he said it's great and like totally wakes up the engine. So I'm, I'll probably I mean, you'll get, do that. You'll get something out of a naturally aspirated tune. A lot of times it smooths out the fueling and, and gets the, that like set up properly. But, you know, it's not like turbo tuning where it can be that fundamental. But uh, I mean, there's no. What I'm trying to say is, don't don't expect to love the Tacoma engine. Like I even yesterday when I was uh, looking around to try to get an uh, understanding what the next Tacoma powertrain might be, uh, saw a couple people, a couple of articles just being like, "Well, everybody knows the Tacoma engine sucks," and it's like, "Well, now you're fucking saying it." Like it's been ten <laughs> years with this engine, and everybody's like, "No, no, no, it's fine. It's uh, it lasts forever." And it's like, "No, it's kind of crappy," and the and the transmission in in particular the six speed in that has always been kind of a dog. So I'm in the right place to buy and I'm feeling good about that timing wise, but it's like, uh, it still looks like it's going to be next year at a minimum to have something in my garage. Yeah. What do you, what do you think uh, our next story would be the, the Maverick tremor? Is that it? Like mm, the yeah. mini Raptor? Yeah. What, what were your thoughts on that? I saw that going around this week too. Uh, I have not driven one of the Broncos that has that twin clutch uh, rear end, uh, which is kind of the major new part uh, that they put in in there. But a couple of folks that I know that have uh, said it's nice. Uh, I can't remember who the manufacturer, like the the tier one supplier that makes that is. But uh, the package itself, I think, is only about three grand uh, for the upgrade. Yeah, and I think it's uh, chunkier tires, a one-inch lift, and like paint and stickers. But what so was it's the? It's probably just stickers. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's just it sits up a little taller. They they probably just put you know taller or slightly stiffer springs on it, and 
Uh, I think the breakover is like ever so like they changed the molding on the front and uh, rear that it might be slightly better. Look, I'm, I'm fine with it. Like, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain anything about a Maverick, but it's also not like it's very strange to release new iterations of a truck you can't even buy. Like people are still waiting in line to buy the first version of it, you yeah. know? So it's like great. Uh, so I think it, I did it, see some Ford thing that like every new Maverick is going to be sold online, possibly starting next year, like in not really? their dealers. Yeah. Well, we already stepped in shit once when we tried to say this is what <laughs> Ford's doing, or rather Jim Farley did because no, I, th- I, I, I think that they, wasn't true. I think they're like going, damn the lawsuits, don't even care, we're gonna do this because every dealer in the world is doing wacky shit. Like my local Ford dealer has a Lightning; they just got a Lightning demo. And uh, it's like the work truck version. So the list on it is 43000 and they want to sell it for seventy-seven, but they're not sure. even allowed to sell it till the end of the year because Ford uh. said it's a demo truck. So I'm going to go in and demo it one of these days. I got to see what it feels like. Yeah, it's, it's a really funny time because, uh, you know, I, I'll trade in one of my cars when we switch to the truck and there's an active debate going on in the household about which car it will be. But... Uh, more than likely will be the station wagon because you know it's that's a re- utility wise like they'll kind of do the the same job uh but you know it's like now i have two paid off cars and and they're both depreciating every day and i'm just like i'm ready to swap into to something else but uh, i'll tell you later when we get to the cool trucks i sh- uh saw this week uh a segment I'll, I'll tell you something that has been on the back of my mind that i might pick up in the interim but uh yeah, I mean it's 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 got to get better. Supply chain stuff does look like it's it's fixing itself in a few areas, but I also think with this entire generational shift that's happening in mid-range, if you're in the market for mid-range right now, like who knows? Uh, and I think I may have to get out of my headspace and I'm waiting for something new because I want to be I want to buy the first one off the lot, and I might need to just go buy an interim truck and wait for wait for something else to show up. Yeah, that's a good plan. Uh, I did see lots of forum stuff over the last year of talking about all these trucks, all these EV trucks being like 600, 800 horsepower and like a thousand foot pounds of torque are going to be problematic when people start taking them off road because whenever they get stuck somewhere and when they go to do a bump, you know, they're just going to be applying so much torque that they're just going to explode their drivetrains. And I did see the first sign of this, which was this uh, video of one of my favorite like recovery things in Moab, Utah. Uh, guy, guy, guy who goes by Trail Mater because he's basically built a dually short bed, like 70s square body Chevy with a huge boom and rack. And he can weld on it. And he's got three winches on it or something. And he rescues people. And whenever you go to Moab, there are signs everywhere that are just like, if you get stuck on this trail specifically, it is going to cost you a minimum of $1,500 to get someone to come out and pick you up and take you back. Mm-hmm. And like those signs are at all the remote ones. I mean, I, I went on one trail. It was like a two-hour drive just to get to the trailhead. We had to actually ration our gas kind of to do this like eight-mile trail. It took like four hours and get back. Um, and th- that said, like $3,000 recoveries are normal because you're paying some guy two hours to drive to you. And I've seen him do recoveries. And I assume when I saw those numbers, hey, people must be like, I want that job. That's fun. You get to go off-roading. You save some schmuck in a forerunner, and then you get paid 2000 bucks. So that's exactly what this guy does. He's built this like incredible trail rig 
uh, and, he, and he goes to Fins and Things. It was a pretty mellow trail um, near Moab. And I think I haven't done it, but I was going to do it on my next trip. And, and it's like the guy was trying to go up this rock wall, gunned it, and then just exploded the steering rack. And so you see like the wheels are just going in opposite directions, the tires. Yeah. And then like they do a trail repair, or they weld a bolt and like get something to work just to get it mostly pointed straight. And then he ends up driving out of there. I was like, I don't even know with no dealer network and I have no idea what their like repair network is like. I don't know what you do. Like when you blow up the steering, do you have to ship it back to uh, Illinois for them to like replace every part or what, or you just order new stuff? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. I was like, I don't know what that guy does. The computer on the screen is probably tripping out because the alignment's way off and stuff, you know, like who knows? I'm surprised it drove away, but it did. I, I would imagine that Rivian, uh, at least for these first few ones that are actually getting beat on a little bit, it's going to take real good care of those people, uh, yeah. even if that is not their SOP, uh, you know, for the rest of the, the life of the company. But I mean, to the degree, it's going to be kind of like, I think, a McLaren that's like they'll put somebody on a plane <laughs> and fly to come out with the parts that they need if they have the parts but you know you know friends with like tesla model threes they get in a fender bender they're like i i was in a loaner car for nine months or something because tesla's not supplying you know part basic parts to to suppliers i have not taken an ev off-road i can imagine that uh because you also don't have as much Again, totally guessing here, and not, not, but I could imagine a, a pedal feel experience where, like, because you're not in a in a in something where the drivetrain has some analog lash in it. You know, there's times where you can kind of feel everything moving forward, binding up. You sort of know when to to go in, when not to go in. Whereas I would imagine in an EV powertrain, the only flexible piece you've got is the tires. And so it's probably really easy to go from, you know, where it's not moving at all to where you're not getting any input that something is bending or creaking or anything. It's just all of a sudden it just turns like it just snaps things, yeah. uh, which, you know, is not is not ideal. But I mean, also, besides just trying to program in better sensor uh, awareness of stuff like I don't I don't really know what they could do to 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 fix it but i'm not worried about evs taking over the trail system anytime (laughs) soon i think i think i think gas will reign supreme for another couple of decades in that context yeah i saw some youtube video of a guy taking a ford lightning lightly off-road and going this is pretty impressive but i was just thinking man it's just a skateboard of batteries like i have skid plates on my you know gx and i there's just not enough skid plates in the world to protect like one rock could pierce, you know, a belly and like, oh, God, that would just be a mess. Maybe start a fire that can't go out for three days or or like reduce your total capacity by 10 percent, you know, by just killing a line of batteries in the entire bottom. I don't know. I was I was like, man, I would never take a lightning off road seriously. Yeah, I uh, I'm not too worried about it in the near term because there just aren't enough on the road for anybody and they're all too new and too premium i think for people to risk them too much although i did see recently that somebody drove a second generation accurate nsx accidentally off-road uh which was a real uh 
fun uh, thing. They found it. Uh, there was drone shots of it just sitting out in a rock field, like way further than it should have been. I don't know if they were lost or what. Uh, but yeah, they a hundred and hundred and sixty thousand dollars or something. Yeah, something like that. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, uh, the the I've seen Rivian. Uh, my acquaintances out here that run uh, the brothers that run Mainline Overland. Uh, I saw in one of their last Bronco runs, I believe somebody came out with a Rivian as well. And the Instagram clips and stuff from that, like the articulation is really good. Like you know, they look in good shape. But it, again, with off road, it depends on what kind of off road you're talking about. Are you talking about like going through some mud? Not too worried about that. Are you talking about like going over giant boulders, like that might get a little, a little, a little hairier. Yeah, I wouldn't run the Rubicon in a Rivian anytime soon. There was a story going around of this is terrible. This is sad. The uh, of a recovery where someone's trying to pull a truck out of something, and uh, they did everything wrong you could possibly do, but they 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 put a strap, I guess a winch around a toe ball like the little ball on your oh head. yeah yeah so they're pulling sideways on something that was designed to get weight on vertically from a trailer not really i mean i guess it gets sideways pulls from the from the weight of a trailer but um you know doing recovery you're never supposed to do that ever you're supposed to take out the hitch you're supposed to put in a shackle hitch and then be pulling on a fixed point from any car but uh yeah uh, the worst thing happened and the uh, ball snapped and with a ton of tension on it, came through the windshield and killed a guy. And then there's like a whole bunch of like YouTube sort of reaction videos from people because this kind of went around Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And like, whew, this is, um, it's funny. It's funny. It's like they sell you a winch and they give you like no instructions. <laughs> and I've always felt like I just bought a like semi-automatic rifle for fun. Like just owning a winch. But now this and guy wasn't winching though, right? If I'm remembering the video. Oh, properly. it looks What's like a recovery there, like, strap. Toe strap on it? Yeah, yeah, it's probably his toe strap. So they're it doesn't even look like the bouncy kind that are good, the synthetics. Tug a tug strap has is elastic. I mean maybe not yeah. chemically, but it you know, effectively. And so it allows you to do a couple of things. It's it's distributing the force in a more linear way instead of a on off. And uh, you know, has less chance of ripping out your attachment points. Uh, and I think this is this one I'm a hundred percent sure, not sure on, uh, but I believe those also do lose kinetic force a little faster in the air. If something breaks off as opposed to the other ones could be wrong there, but nevertheless, you should always put, they, they make little flags. They make little blankets. You can tie a shirt or a jacket to it. Something that breaks up, the 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 kinetic energy and the the floppiness i guess of it flying through the air uh and generally that'll that'll take care of it with a winch or a, a toe strap but nobody does it nobody does it for some reason i am like I, I follow a couple of recovery uh people on youtube so there's a bunch of like guys with a tow truck and some of them do off-road stuff and then they they bleed into your off-road youtube recommendations and like there's one guy I follow. I follow that guy in Moab because he's always grabbing like weird broken Jeeps, front steering knuckles and axles break and stuff. And he like welds them on the trail and gets them going again. Or he has to tow the front half of a broken Jeep. Um, the other guy I follow is in outside of Bend out here. So I recognize a lot of the trails where he's fetching people. One thing the guy in Bend has turned me on to is these guys in Idaho 
called Yankum Ropes, and they make, you know, the synthetic super kinetic ropes uh, for pulling. But they made a new, like, fair lead, the front part of a winch, where you hook on, where you basically take away the hook. I love this. Once you get it all set up, you basically just have a loop coming out of your winch of synthetic line. So it's just okay. a... So, and then it, they came out with a new fair lead where you like hook it onto the side of it. So it, like, there's no exposure. So you can actually like hit a wall without touching your winch or messing up. Oh, your interesting. But the best part is there's no metal. There's no metal at all in the entire system. So you just have winch, synthetic rope, and then you just use soft shackles, which are like, you know, like a little piece of synthetic mm-hmm. that is instead of, so if anything ever goes wrong with flying through the air is like a few ounces of synthetic nylon instead of like a five pound hook you know that can just rocket through the air and slam people in the head and stuff so do you I'm, have synthetic line on your on the lexus yeah, yeah i do i do because the weight difference was so great huge yeah yeah i didn't want i didn't want 50 more pounds on the front and then i heard like oh these things are actually like three rated for like triple the this just <laughs> reminds me of like home construction how like my last home had all co- hard copper pipes, and when we, when we went to do a bathroom renovation, like nobody could believe someone in 2005 did all hard copper lines. But it was a plumber who didn't trust like that PEC stuff that was new, mm-hmm. which is like, and it, they have to make it five times better, ten times better, twenty times better before you know these things will never fail. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with synthetic ropes. So like you know, your metal winch line will be rated for whatever twelve thousand pounds, and they'll say some of these synthetic ropes are rated for like forty or fifty thousand pounds before they'll tear or break. So, yeah, synthetic ropes are just like the you know the numbers on them are so much better. So uh, yeah, I went with it to save fifty pounds and also to have way more capability. But when I saw people like, like winch entirely, this guy in Bend, he must be friends with them, and you know he shows it off. Uh, I was just like. You know, like each, I mean, the little shackles weigh like five pounds and those things going a hundred miles an hour, you know, coming off the side of a Jeep could totally kill someone and uh, going to pure synthetic looks like the way to go. So I'm definitely going to do this soon. Yeah. I'll never have a a metal winch line again. It's just, there's, there's no advantage to it. And at this point they're not that much more expensive. So if you're going to go in and also aesthetically, they look cooler in my opinion. (laughs) Like the whole thing, it's a it's a nicer uh, a nicer look, but uh, yeah, it looks yeah. like this fair leads two hundred and fifty bucks, and they have like a video on how to cut your line and how to do this complicated like eight way knot to make a permanent loop at the end. And then I have two or three soft shackles, and I had all these metal shackles, and I was just like, it's like you can tell they're insanely dangerous when you're playing with them. You're just like, whew, this thing is solid, yeah. mild steel. This weighs a ton. And when you I, see someone recovering completely with nylon head to toe, it's just like, oh my God, that's so much smarter and safer. This is a pro tip that almost anyone that would listen to this podcast already knows, but I will share it anyway. Uh, you can buy a little shackle that goes into either your trailer hitch or sometimes they make them that go through like a hole in your frame for like 15 bucks, like a, a, a cast steel uh, shackle. And it is, even if you don't off-road, even if you don't plan on doing it, you don't have any other equipment, that is a great thing to just keep in the glove box or in a box in the bed of the truck. Because if and when you do slide off the road in winter or anything where somebody needs to just pull you out, uh, it is so much nicer to just already have that shackle there and ready to go uh, so that whoever's coming to save you has something to, to, to pull on that's not going to like rip 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 some part of your your truck apart 
Yeah, that's what I've learned from watching the uh, like recovery videos from these tow truck drivers is like people will try. They're often like picking up people that have tried to get out of a situation with a friend or something. And they always like lash around a control arm. That's like the worst on some, yeah. key, you know, like, but anytime he sees a trailer hitch, he goes, hell yeah. And it's funny, like I bought, I had to buy a trailer hitch ball five years ago for the Ridgeline when I first got it because I was towing um, some boat trailer and they come with like, it's in a package for 20 bucks, like a basic two inch hitch with a ball. And then you get a like a hitch receiver with a shackle. It was just like thrown in as like a bubble pack. You know, you had to yeah. get both. And I threw it in the back of the truck in the under seat area. And I was like, I don't know what this is for, but sure. And then I bought some synthetic rope because people said, you know, if you don't have a winch, you might as well just have this like $50 synthetic rope off Amazon. It'll be great. And I've used it to pull like my lawnmower out of three or four ditches. I've used it to flip a UTV over, like lashing it to a to a roll bar and pulling it back onto its feet that flipped over. We'll talk about why you're ditching so many uh, lawnmowers uh, <laughs> in a future episode, but yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have this EV riding lawnmower and I take it everywhere where it probably shouldn't. And I have some slopes that just like sometimes are <laughs> turned into swamps and like, and I even went on Amazon and replaced the grass tires with the gnarliest ATV tires I could buy for like 50 bucks. And um, so it has a lot more grip now, but I can still get into situations where, you know, I'm just spit. It doesn't have locking diffs. You know, I just end up spinning in some mud puddle and then I have to go get my truck and pull it from a driveway. I've, yeah, I think it's uh, uh, it's good, right, to push things to the limit to, of breaking or getting stuck. Otherwise, you're, you're getting, not living. Exactly. You're getting the full full dynamic range of, yeah. uh, of your money. Like you're getting everything, you're getting everything that you for. I actually do really believe that I, uh, have been pushing on some of my cars a little, uh, harder than I have before in the last few weeks. And it's like, they they just take it. And I realize, like, man, there's so much capability. I mean, you'd want to talk about a 800 horsepower thousand torque, uh, EV. It's like, nobody, nobody, we have these incredible machines that everybody can buy now. And people are using like, literally a 20th or, or a fifth of their capability their entire life cycle and then they just fall apart and people toss them away it's 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 pretty insane yeah i can't remember which um off-roader i was watching i mean it's, it's maybe someone on tv 10 20 years ago which was like whenever you get a new truck take it out and get it stuck like three times before you ever like upgrade anything you need to know what are the absolute limits and where are the weaknesses and stuff like push it, push it as far as you possibly can um, before you yeah, like, no, go get a lift. Like, why would you get a lift? Let's see where you don't have a lift works and doesn't work it, and stuff. It's a good, it's a good principle in general. And it's one that I do not always follow uh, being a forum bitch <laughs> that will just go through and like, you know, read, Oh, look at that. I want that. Oh, cool. I'll start making a list of all of the aftermarket stuff I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I, I've definitely had, you know, fast sports cars that I never, took anywhere near their limit or to a track. I've had trucks that I like modded far beyond like what was necessary and probably never went into anything hairier than the stock truck could have done. And I have finally in my middle age started to learn that lesson a little bit where I'm like, I'll, I'll break it and then I'll upgrade it. Like if I, you know, if I blow out a upper control arm, then great time to upgrade, you know, like if I, 
if I like get stuck in some situation or I bash my diff on a rock, well, all right, now I'll get a diff protector for it. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm a little less interested in, I'm still interested in things looking kick-ass. <laughs> like I will cop <laughs> to that. Like I still like the, you know, to make things look unique and cool, but I, I'm far less inclined to uh, like preemptively upgrade something. But I think that's also a, a benefit of, the you know, the credit card era, which is like, if I do something really stupid, all I have to do is call somebody and pay money and they'll fix it for me. Unlike when I was younger, where it was like, well, if I get out here in the woods and I'm stuck, then like nobody, you know, maybe I can call my uncle Vern and like three days later, he'll come out and get me from somewhere. But uh, yeah, people overbuild and overbuild and overbuild without ever actually pushing what they've got to the to the limit. I was just at, um, I had a huge rock trip in the windshield, the GX, and it's been 100 degrees here for the last week or so. So I think like the hot air inside has expanded and it suddenly spider cracked everywhere. <laughs> and mm. to the point of where like the little the spider cracks were like shining in my eyes while I was trying to drive. And I was just like, what, what's a new windshield cost? And it was like 300 bucks. I went and did it as a one day thing at a place. And uh, it was right next to some adventure outfitters place. <laughs> and so I like wandered in and they had rooftop tents and full builds of rugged um uh like huge camper shells that expand up and out and stuff it was cr like forty thousand dollar you know kind of like just the camper sort of part anyways they were big arb and i was just like hey man how much is that labor on like putting an air locker in the back of this gx because it's only got like a center diff lock it doesn't have front and rear lockers and i've always been a little worried about that. It was like, well, that's a thousand dollars, but first off, we need a manifold. You're probably going to hardwire your. Uh, you're going to need a dual uh, ARB compressor. Okay, that's going to need to go under the hood. Do you have an S pod? No, you're going to have to like set up switches for that. So that's another six hundred. And it was like came out to forty five hundred dollars with all the labor. It was yeah. like tw it was like tw twenty five hundred in parts and like fifteen hundred in labor or more. And I was just like, oh man, all I wanted was, that was a rear locker only. <laughs> but yeah. it was also, it was also building in like, you know, everything else you need to get there. And I was thinking, you know, when was the last time I got, I mean, I do get stuck sometimes off-roading, but, you know, lowering t tire pressure or taking a second, like I've never been stuck, stuck. And I also have a winch, so yeah. I yeah. I mean, a locker, a locker off-road, a lot of times you're paying for optionality, right? Yeah. It's like. You're, you're, you're giving yourself some different ways that you might be able to get out of something, but it doesn't mean that you start with nothing. Also, as an aside, I will tell you 4,500 bucks for that sounds with labor included sounds pretty reasonable to me. I'm like, <laughs> when you were listing it up, I was like, yeah, that's about what it costs. when I looked into it on the Tacoma 10 years ago or five years ago. So I'm like, that's, yeah, it's pretty good. Well, I, was, I was like, I'm going to set up the, uh, what do they call those things? Switch pods, you know, where you can do yeah, like pods. Yeah. Yeah. I want to set up that stuff so I don't have to pay for it from those guys. And then maybe it'll come down to like three grand by the time I have all the electronics worked out. I have not, I've, I've like been in trucks with best pods. I've never uh, put one in myself. There's another one. I'll have to look it up for the, the show. I'll have to find the, the, the name of it. But there was another one that I used in the Tacoma that I actually loved. Uh, and it wasn't a ton cheaper than the S pod. I can't remember what the real distinctions were, but, um, is it really it, like it looks like like let's say i want to put new ditch lights or rock lights or something like you just hook into a plug that's marked like button four and you're done yeah you run a control wire or wires 
through the firewall into the cabin. And that's where the, the switch, you know, Controller. setup is. Yeah. And on the other end of that, you basically just have a breakout box or you put it onto a connect to a fuse box. It's just a fancy button and switch setup. But, uh, for camping and when you're living out of your truck, what's really great about it is, uh, you can set it up to be pretty much whatever you want, but even just being able to control your lights and turn things off and on without having to be right in the truck, because you can usually use like an app or Bluetooth to, to switch things around are, is pretty great. And the other thing that is really nice about it, I'm an okay, I mean, I'm certainly if uh, not scared to like wire up elect electrical stuff in a vehicle, uh, certainly aftermarket, uh, but I don't like splicing into existing stuff. Like I'll jump a, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll vampire crimp into a tail light or something if I absolutely have to. But in general, I like to run separate power when I can to everything. Cause I don't like touching OEM harness. And what's really nice about the, all of the aftermarket control pod units is you go through the trouble of getting all of that set up once and you never have to run another wire underneath the firewall or through the firewall underneath your dash, try to wire up another switch, like drill a hole in your dash, all of that stuff. It's like, once you've done that, you've got eight to 12 uh, leads just sitting bare in your engine bay that are ready to be run anywhere. And literally in a lot of cases, if you wanted to remove it, you could just grab it and yank the entire <laughs> thing and all the, all the wires would spaghetti out and the truck would be, you know, bad. In, in real life, that's you know, not the case, but there's an elegance to them and a system to them that I really, really like uh, to the degree that I actually just bought uh, off of a friend, a old motorcycle. I mean, it's not that old. It's like a 2006 uh, uh, Triumph. It's a scrambler, hmm. but he had bought it like seven years ago thinking he was going to, ride motorcycles and then just never did. So the gas tank's rusting out and, you know, it's not entirely clear what it's, it has a new battery, but it doesn't want to turn over. And uh, I just bought it off. I, I paid him like a, a grand. It was just like, I'll take it. I'll get to it eventually. But of course, when I started looking through it, they now have systems that are very similar except they run all of the electronics uh, and replace your entire system on older bikes. Uh, and they can do stuff now where you can actually, the one I'm looking at, you can set it so that when it pairs to your phone, Sorry, you say that again? when it pairs to your phone, uh, it uh, can serve as a keyless start. So if wow. you walk up and it pat and patches into your Bluetooth, then you can hit the ignition button and you never have to carry a key. You can always just do it like <laughs> Tesla style with the, with your, uh, with your phone. There's a lot of things that people, uh, overbuild on and, you know, uh, I'll be the first to say, like, I never, I don't think I've ever put a name brand light on a vehicle I've ever owned. I always am just like, what's on eBay that I can get from China. It'll be fine. Uh, but I do, I actually think, you know, spending the 500 bucks in an, in an afternoon to run your wiring once and then never have to do it again is a, not as stupid investment. Yeah. If you've got the time and money. I don't know if I mentioned in the last episode that I was having trouble with my daughter's Tacoma and we wired up some lights that had like no wiring diagrams <laughs> and, and, uh, after we were, a day after we were working on it, the engine started shutting down. Oh, so yeah. I took, 
I took it to the dealer and they just kept saying, we're just getting all these electronics codes, you know, but we're like, I was like, yeah, but the starter's working and like, it's getting spark. And then maybe the fuel pump. And I was going down the entire thing and it turned out <laughs> we were using a cheesy Adafuse kind of thing on the ignition wire, which is one you shouldn't fuck with. And then I, I put the fuse lid on really quick. And then my mechanic friend said, oh, let's cut a notch in it, you know, cause we don't want to crimp the wire. Turns out a couple days later, as I'm going through the engine bay, there's the wire like that I crushed with <laughs> with the fuse thing the first time. There was exposed metal, like it was just this pathetic gauge, you know, like speaker wire. Uh, so all the rubber sheathing had come off, and it was like any time it touched metal, it would just kill the car, like while yeah. you're driving. So we fixed that up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was like, I can't wait to get easier wiring. So that's uh, that's why I'm looking forward to the switch pod stuff. Yeah, a second a second fuse box and a switch, you know, setup just it, it saves you a ton of troubleshooting questions of being like, did I screw this up? Like, I'm getting ready to put CarPlay in one of my cars, and I'm going to pay an extra probably 200 bucks for the aftermarket board that will go add CarPlay to it because it's the only one that doesn't have you modify the harness. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna pay 200 bucks so that I don't ever have to wonder if something goes wrong, if it was that thing I added instead of, you know, this like hacky way that it should have worked. I do have one other thing I forgot to put to our show notes that you just jostled it out of my mind when you talk about uh, completely overpriced pop-up camper things. I have a new obsession and I haven't talked to you about it offline even yet. Uh, open up a browser and go look for skinny guy campers. Oh yeah, those are pretty cool. I've seen them. Yeah, I almost certainly will not buy one because <laughs> Jesus Christ, are they expensive. But Is it like 10, 15 grand? It's 40 grand fully fully kitted. Oh my God. Now, yeah. now that's with that, you know, that's with everything granted, but, um, <laughs> when you see these in, in, in real life, how far they extend out fully extended, it's like falling water where you're like, there's no way there's this is so cantilevered. It's like 20 feet of, of deck cantilevered off the back of a truck. It's kind of remarkable. Yeah. I, I have to give these guys credit because I think that money, no object and my engineering skills about a hundred times better than they are today. This is exactly how I would have built it to. So for this non-visual medium, I will quickly explain what their design is. So it is a, it looks like a camper shell when it's all folded up. It's made out of uh, aluminum, I'm pretty sure. And it doesn't rise up over the back of the roof of the truck. So, you know, when you, it's, it's super streamlined uh they come in i think raw aluminum and i think they do like a black anodized version and it looks kind of like it kind of kind of looks like a submarine it looks like you expect sean connery to pop out of the top of it with a no attempt at a russian accent but what is really cool about them is not only do they you pop a panel off and you kind of flip it up and it's not it's not a giant space inside it's got a it's got like a fold-out bed area that pulls the tin up with it like a habitat uh, but it's plenty big and it doesn't even fill up the entire bottom of the bed. It actually sits in on the rails. And so you can keep a drawer system like a DIY one or a plastic one from decked underneath for all of that storage as well. 
It has a flip out solar panel that rotates. So when it flips over, you, you know, you open up the bed and it flips down, you can, you can turn the solar panel 180 degrees and keep it up. Built in batteries, built in toilet. If you want to do a macerating black water toilet, it has that as well. It is probably the most well-engineered, well-thought-out, highest capability or functionality thing I've ever seen. And poor Crystal, who, you know, will be laying in bed with me while I'm on the laptop, and then I'll be like, what you are you asleep about? yet? Are you asleep yet? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, look at no, this. No, the aluminum is extruded, and it has yeah. gas rams, and it assists oh. you. <laughs> so there's a thing called the chamfer, and these guys really get it. Uh, and no, so I, I mean, like, her. I was just at that Overland thing and, like, fully kitted out camper. I mean, this is not just a, a pop-up tent. This is, like, a full-on camper with stoves and, um, the whole you know, thing. coolers and stuff. And it's almost, it's like the full-size camper shell things. I was looking at were 40 grand. So um, I'm used to, like, I think go-fast campers are, like, 12 grand, 15 grand, maybe 20. But this is, these are incredible. Like, the interiors look nuts. Like, they're, and also that... It's amazing it collapses down so small. They're beautifully like, engineered. I I I'm gonna actually when I go hit the road here soon, if I go to Detroit like I usually do when I'm heading west, uh I may swing through Indiana, which is I believe where they're at, and see if I can go check one out in person, meet the guys, cause it's it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of engineering. Uh I just don't see a ton of people who are going to be willing to pay that premium for something that at the end of the day, isn't that big, doesn't have a lot of living space. Uh, you know, you can, you can kind of get 85% of the functionality for a third of the price by stitching a bunch of other stuff together. But I, I really like, it was the first thing I've seen literally in like maybe four years, five years where I was like, that's new. That's cool. That's elegant in a way that I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, but I also don't know that I'm going to, you know, 40,000 bucks is about what I'm hoping to spend on my next truck. I, <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine bolting on another 40, uh, 40 grand, but, uh, anybody that likes the overlanding camper, uh, the, the kind of widgety engineering part of it, like it's totally worth checking out what they're doing. I, I, I do hope they, they pull it off and, you know, maybe can figure out a way to, to streamline the process a little bit. Cheapen them up a bit somehow or strip features but yeah i saw <clears throat> i saw a million rooftop tents open at the overland expo pacific northwest and the skinny ones are just like eight feet longer ten feet longer the way they cantilever over it so it just catches your eye like holy cow how is that possible is that a walking deck like what um yeah i i still you know time will tell but i am still 99 percent certain that i'm going to buy another habitat for the next uh truck i buy I, the only complaints I have about the habitats at this point is that I do think they look a little, they look fine, but they're just so utilitarian. They're just, you know, very clearly just welded sheets of uh, aluminum. And I may even go talk to them because they're the nicest people in the world and be like, if I pay you a little extra, will you let me like gussy this thing up aesthetically? So it like looks a little nicer. But the right. main reason that I feel like I got to do it is that it's the space. It's like, they're a little harder to put up. The deployment's super easy because weight's on your side. Putting them mm -hmm. back up, uh, especially alone, is a lot of running around three times to stuff in every corner. But it is like having a, a canvas tent. You know, like it's like having a, a Boy Scout 
tent when you are inside, you just have so much room. Yeah. And it's very easy to build your inside so that you can stealth camp with the tent not packed out. And I do a lot of that because when I'm trying to get across country in four days, sometimes I have to sleep in a really spooky spot. And I like knowing that I can lock myself in the back of something and not worry about somebody being able to mess with me. Uh, I'll have you know, I just looked up Bristol, Indiana, and you know what also is in Bristol? The RV Hall of Fame and Museum. I have no That's idea what it, what it takes to get into the RV Hall of Fame, but there is one. So, like, that's well, it's Indiana, so it's probably under by Thor. <laughs> biggest chair, best beer koozie. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. You know life's, what? life's work would get you there. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my on my my list. So I have a trip coming up. I'm gonna take the sports car and. I'm, my plan is to get to LA and have enough time to hang out in LA for a few days. And I'm a little bummed because I was really hoping to take a more northerly route, uh, maybe come up, see you, see some more Portland friends. Uh, and that's still not out of the question, but when I was looking at my initial route, I basically was like only skipping the South. <laughs> like, and it was like an 8,000 mile, 9,000 mile <laughs> round trip, which like is not, in, you know. Like 10 days. <laughs> But it was going to, well, initially I was trying to do it in two weeks and I was okay. like, okay, I could physically do that in two weeks, but it'd be like 500 miles Miserable. a day. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, that's like, got, you know, it leaves no time for fun. Yeah. So I've, I've decided I might let myself take a three week trip and still do that route. Cause like I, I want to, you know, I, I've been planning this trip all year. Like I, I've been, I'm setting up all my business so that I can take September mostly off and, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and, and do it hard, but, uh, I, uh, I may suck it up and just do a diagonal across the country and a diagonal back. Cause I don't know if you've noticed, but it turns out that LA is really far down the West coast and Portland is really in, in, uh, Washington and Idaho and Montana are really far away. So they're uh, a day, <laughs> day and a half. good solid day. No, it's it, it, it's not that bad. But I'm trying. It also, I'm really looking forward to doing it in the 9/11, and it'll be a lot of fun. But it it has absolutely cemented for me. I'm like, I got to build another truck. I got to like this <laughs> yeah. is what I love doing, and I yeah. can't. You know, this would be so much easier if I could just camp for a couple of days everywhere I was going. Yeah, at the end of the month, we're gonna probably. I hope my daughter will go with me. <laughs> I want to go down to Moab again, and then sweep down to like Grand Canyon and come up the Sierras and like go to places all the way back and show her places she's never been. But, uh, yeah, I just got a, like, uh, I got the like rear bed thing going and I got, I found a like queen size air mattress that fits perfectly in the spot. We um, did buy, we, we sprang for cause they were not cheap. We bought an X ped mat. Uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. Like the big, the big boy, too big for backpacking and stuff like that. Uh, and it's basically like a foam filled air mattress. So it's got some foam built in and the way the baffles work, uh, they are fantastic for car and truck camping. Uh, they self inflate, you know, probably 80% of the way. And then you can just like add, they, they come with a little fabric pump that you can use to take the rest of the way. And I like no. I know it sounds like a commercial, but no joke. Like, am just as comfortable sleeping on that as I am on a normal bed. And they hold up good. I've had them inflated for days at a time without them losing their their stuff. So, it, depending on if you've got the space, because they don't break down 
very small. That's the the downside of them. But uh, and there's a couple of competitors that I haven't used, but I've heard are good. Wow, but those four things make inches such thick, a four inches yeah. tall. Like that's amazing. Yeah, you don't you don't hit the ground. They're slightly insulated, so you're you know not not uh, feeling the losing heat through the bottom. Uh, yeah, those things are are super nice. Did you see this uh, Twitter thread with the uh, with the blind spot in front of trucks uh, video? No, I didn't see it. Oh man, you should watch it. Someone was just going. I I follow uh, like cycling and city designers, <laughs> basically people who never want to see cars again. Uh, like. Ha- I have one foot in Southern California car lifestyle and I have one foot in like urban utopia, like where we should walk everywhere. Um, and uh, that side of Twitter often gives me like anti-car stuff that's cool. And someone was saying like, oh my God, this finally, like people have been making fun of the GMC full-size truck design for about a decade. You know, it's just like a battering ram. It's like, mm-hmm. like even the stock four by four, you know, like a five, two women will stand next to it and you can't see her head over the hood. Like it's just this wall. Um, and it's stupid for aerodynamics and it's stupid for even truck stuff like approach angles. It's just this block in front of your car. Uh, so someone was stoked that like this local news team basically, um, puts a woman in her full size. I think it's a Tahoe and then starts lining up kids sitting at the bumper and then like sitting next to each other and they get out to 12 kids. <laughs> I think it's like 16 wow. feet before she can see the first kid's head, like over the hump of the, of the hood. Uh, can I, I'll t- I'm going to take the contrarian point, even though I am also <laughs> a let's build more public transit in walkable cities, uh, communist, but, uh, how often so let's let's say you're you're in that truck and you can't see anything on the ground in front of you until it's 16 feet away how often are you in a situation where you're driving that you're going from zero to i don't want to hit something in the next 16 feet pretty infrequently like i guess crosswalks is probably a good example in some of those situations you're distracted sure But it's like, it isn't quite as bad. People talk about like, oh, you know, nobody can see in these big things. And it's like, well, yeah, but nobody can see in a, in a, over a semi truck either. But semi trucks are not, you know, like killing people left and right. Killing people. I mean, they are, but (laughs) they're killing people (laughs) on the highway. It's like, I'm not saying it's not a factor. I'm not saying our trucks and our cars are not too big, certainly for the ways we use them because size and capacity is just as much of an overbuilt thing as we were saying engine power and capacity is earlier. But it's like 16 feet at 30 miles an hour is not appreciably different than six feet at 30 miles an hour. Like you, you're, you're, you're not getting a lot more braking time when it's all said and done. So I do think it's a little bit overblown, but, uh, all that said, uh, the, the bigger argument to me is that those trucks to my understanding are supposed to have, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the NHTSA regulation, but you're supposed to be able to hit somebody and they roll over the hood. So you don't, oh, right, yeah. uh, so you don't roll underneath them. And every time I've seen one of those, the fronts of some of those trucks, and it's not just GM and, and GMC, it's, it's like, no, tundra, it's, uh, tundra they're, they're all, like they're all like that. Yeah. All the full size. And it's like, uh, I don't see how, 
I don't see how normal-sized human rolls over the top of those. So there must be some exception for you know the trucks that they've you know wiggled wiggled through. But uh, yeah, one of the yeah. one of the popular uh, whatever's. Uh, 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 devil's advocate positions in this thread on twitter is that uh well they, a lot of these have front cameras and i i've added a front camera for off-road purposes to two cars now and i i invoke it maybe once a month you know when i'm truly in a weird place and i'm like did i hit the curb on that thing and i'll because it takes like six taps to get to the front camera on my screen and then i'll go oh, okay yeah it's fine it actually works great for off-roading especially in utah because you're like coming over the peak of things and all you see is blue sky out your windshield so having the front camera is absolutely key to have a fisheye lens to see where you know the trail goes after you get to the top but yeah i don't know <laughs> i was just like i've never felt comfortable in a full-size toyota tundra like test drive in my life the hood feels 16 feet wide and like 20 feet long and it feels like i'm 10 feet off the ground it just feels unsafe to drive i like i like i, I really hate hood scoops hood bumps like i'm uh, really particular about it. i want sloped ass hoods so i can get as good a visibility as possible i'm not a full-size truck guy and i'm not opposed to them per se but that is definitely a factor for me which is every machine i own goes into places that it shouldn't be you know when i lowered the 911 or i put coilovers on the 911 they were like it goes down this far i presume you want it all the way and i was like I would like at least an inch of travel or, you know, at rest, uh, a, an inch gap between my wheel well and the top of the tires. I'm like, I, this car goes onto gravel roads. This car goes, you know, back into the mountains, into weird situations. I don't want to have this thing slammed. And by the same token, uh, you know, when I have a truck, I take it into Manhattan, not infrequently. Like I want to, I want all of the, the flexibility. I, I want it to be big enough for me to be able to use it as a truck and not an inch bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I think about like what I'm doing to the fronts of these off-roaders of trying to get like better bumpers and better approach angles, I'm shaving away as much stuff as possible. Like I want nothing below the belt line. I want as little above it. So, I mean, you know, like a perfect buggy is kind of like a point on the front almost, you know, so you can get up anything. One secret, and you know, you can cut this out. It just gets too emotional. But uh, I, you, you know, when we were doing uh, cool trucks, I saw this week, and mm -hmm. I told you about the Eddie Bauer Bronco. Oh yeah, I thought I saw you tweet about it. Well, I, yeah, I, I found it, yeah. and so did you get to drive it? I didn't drive it. I could drive it. Uh, it turns out it is owned by a local high school kid or he just graduated high school this year and he bought it earlier this year and has been driving it around and is now going to college is trying to sell it and he's he told me what he paid for it and what he's trying to get and what he's asking for i think is fair but i i'm in this terrible moral conundrum because i know if I just keep waiting in another four weeks when he has to go to school and he's broke and he really wants his money back, that he would probably just sell it to me for what he paid for. Yeah. And the only thing that's keeping me from being an evil old man <laughs> is that it's a stick shift. 
And it's not a pickup. It's a very cool Bronco, but it's not a pickup. And a pickup's really what I need. But uh, I have kind of, let's just say I've been looking at my finances going, <laughs> well, what if I just consider this like a, you know, an interim project before I get the next pickup? It's an investment if you're flipping it. It's an it. investment. That's right. And, and here's the thing. I think I could flip it. Like, yeah. I bet you I could double my money uh, if, I, if I spent the winter cleaning it up a little bit. And uh, it, I mean, it honestly is, doesn't need much. There's a little bit of scaling on the frame, but it just needs to be wire reeled and painted. And it's, you know, it, it seems to be in great shape. So we will see. And I, the, the rule I've made for myself is I'm not going to reach out to the kid again, but he brought it over to the house and like, I looked it up and down and I'm like, yeah, it's in pretty great shape. Was it owned uh, by a body shop or something? Like, why was it so perfect? It was at least according to, this young man, it was the summer truck for a rich family in Connecticut. So it was like their summer home beach cruiser. Uh, why they swapped it to a stick shift, I'll never know. Because it, it never came from the factory with that five point eight. Weird rich people stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, some, some guy's like, I'll I buy do. this, but I only want a stick shift. But I, my rule is I'm not going to call him and make an offer. But if he comes over one day and is like, hey, man, just, what would you give me for this? Yeah. It's going to be real hard to resist because it's a very pretty truck. I once was uh, visited Sun Valley, Idaho with a friend in the web industry whose family is loosely tied to the Blue Diamond Walnut like sure. world. So it was Sun Valley, Idaho, which is already insane. It was like a eight-bedroom house right on the river, right outside of town, which is insane. And we went to his private jet hangar where they had like a new Chevy Tahoe. And we drove it around Idaho for the week we were there because that was the family car for when you land your jet and you have to mm-hmm. get to the house. And so it was this perfectly beautiful Chevy Tahoe with like 3,000 miles on it that gets used eight hours of every six months. And that was my, it. My Land Cruiser, my 100 series, when I was living in Portland, I bought that from a rich family in Montana who had bought it as the nanny's car. So it had, <laughs> you know, 70,000 miles on it, I think, but something like miles. that, but had never gone off road. And, uh, I, you know, I, I guess you need it for like Montana freeways. You'd want like four wheel drive all time. And, and winter, stuff. you know, there's Snow, like yeah. things and it's a big, you know, big truck. It's, you know, you put your kids in it and feel like they're going to be all right. Yeah. But I that thing went up. I think it went up on I Hate Mud. It got listed somewhere, and that was and it had very little information. But it, it was like Nanny's car, you know, great shape, blah blah blah. And I was, I actually rode my motorcycle out and then rented a trailer and towed the motorcycle back with the truck. Uh, I was, but I was out the door in like twenty four hours. I was just like, <laughs> this is it. Like, let's yeah. go. And I got there, and it was, it was. I mean, as far as I know, unless they like hired an actor to play a nanny like it's, you know it's like pulled up to a nice house and there's you know truck that with you know just that had been sitting there so those things are out there and i don't i don't have any reason to disbelieve the provenance of this particular truck it's the problem is really just i know what this kid paid he could probably make 50 percent profit on it uh if if he took the time to clean it up a little bit and sell it on bring a trailer but I don't know that he has that patience or time. And so I'm like, I'm just going to wait. And then if you get in a pinch, I'll do you a favor. 
but I'm not going to go, you know, chase you down and be like, yeah. oh, this thing is a piece of shit. No one will ever want it. And it's the world, uh, like, bending to <laughs> to your uh, evil capitalist whim. Like, it's not you actively doing anything, but yeah, like, yeah. Well, like no. when it's a week before school starts, he's going to want to unload that for list price or whatever price he bought. Totally. I, I think it's totally fine to manifest evil into the world as long as you just do like the secret, right? Like I'll just send my evil intentions into the world. And then if karma wants that thing to happen, then clearly some, that kid had done something really bad that the universe decided he needed to get scammed by an old neighbor. Uh, no, I, I'll, I, I, won't, I won't take uh, advantage of him. Like I'll give him a, a fair price for it, but I'm not going to give him what he could get for it if he would just yeah, take two weekends and clean it up yeah but you know how much work bring a trailer shit is you have to answer 65 comments they're just fucking psycho car people what is the t- date stamp on the left rear tire and like can you please warm it up from cold and please post that video like it's i always laugh in the comments of how insane people are on the sellers sometimes or you just don't and <laughs> right. see what happens like or you just don't answer and like I think half the stuff that goes up on Bring a Trailer and the people that are answering questions are not answering, you know, I don't know that it's always real anyway. So anyway, we'll see. I would love to have a, I think it's like a 92 or something, uh, you know, Eddie Bauer Green uh, Bronco. I guess it's not a Bronco 2, it's just a Bronco, but it's like Bronco the fourth one. generation, third or fourth generation. It's the wrong engine. It's not the 5.0. It's the 5.8. It's a stick shift. I hate stick shift trucks, but it's so good looking. And I'm like, I would really enjoy it for a year. And then when a Ranger or a, a, you know, Canyon or Tacoma or something comes out, then, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could, at least I could get my money back out. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Do you want to wrap it up? No, I think we're good. This is a low-key one, but I've kind of enjoyed that. All right, this is the outro. This has been Trucks. Woo, Trucks. Hey, guys. You know what? (laughs) Keep it in four low and your spirits high. (laughs) How do you like that one? It's pretty Pretty good, good, right? It's pretty good. All right.